This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. New content will be available every week throughout 2015. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Feel as if I should be wearing a mask or something like that, your mystery speaker. <laughs> And then to put even more pressure on, Clifford came to me just before the service and said, you have to be finished at a particular time unless everybody's food's ruined. <laughs> so no pressure. Thanks very much, Clifford. Uh, tonight, under the unction of the Holy Spirit, we're going to magnify and we're going to praise the Lord. And what better thing to do at the start of a week? At the start of a week, when the enemy will come and attack us, we need to encourage ourselves in the Lord and in our presence in the Lord and in our position in the Lord. And we're going to look tonight at the blessings and the provision that he has for us. We're going to look at the position we find ourselves in and we're going to lift up his name and we're going to magnify him tonight in his glory and his honor and his praise. Amen. Turn with me, please, to... Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 13. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we bless you and we praise you tonight that we are blood washed and we are blood bought. We bless you, Lord, and we praise you tonight that we are indeed a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and we belong to you. Hallelujah. And as we come, Lord, around your word tonight, we would ask, sovereign God, that you would bless and bless to the uttermost. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come and you would fill this place with his glory, with his honor and his praise, that you would pour out an unction and pour out an anointing on this people tonight and may none be seen save Jesus only in his precious name. Amen. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy 11 verse 13 says, And it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you today to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, I will give you rain for your land in season, the early rain and the latter rain, that you may gather in your grain, your new wine and your oil. Isn't it interesting that the Lord uses this word love, the most fervent emotion that we have. He wants us to love him as much as he loves us. And I know that's impossible, but he wants a fervent church tonight. He doesn't want a church that is, that is wishy-washy. He doesn't want a church that is dry. He doesn't want a church that is dead. He wants a church that is alive, and he wants a church that loves him. And he says, if you love me, then I will bless you. I will pour out a blessing upon you. I will give you the early rains and the latter rains. And then he says these three particular blessings. And these are the blessings we're going to look at tonight. He says, I will get, you will gather in your grain, your new wine, and your oil. Hallelujah. Whenever I come and I say it a little bit, oh, sorry, in case you think of somebody else in my life, a little bit's my real pet name for Liz. Whenever I come and... <laughs> Whenever I come, just in case you thought there was somebody different in my life, whenever I come, whenever I come and say it a little bit, I love you, what I want to hear back is not, oh, that's nice, Gary, or, oh, okay, or I want to hear back, I love you as well. And that's what the Lord wants to hear from us, and he wants to hear from us tonight, and he wants to hear it from all, all through our lives. Um, it's interesting here, whenever he says love, he doesn't say, if you respect me, if you believe in me, if you trust me, he says, if you love me, if you're fervent about me, I will give you these blessings. Let's turn to Psalm 104. Um, 
and we look. If that is the promise of the outpouring of the Lord, he says, if you love me, then I will give you the grain, the new wine, and the oil. Let's look at the testimony of the outpouring in Psalm 104. The psalmist here starts off by declaring the majesty and glory of our great God. He sets out in the first portion of this psalm all the creation, and he sets out all the glory and all the honor that we praise and praise for our God that we see in the creation around about us. And even though we once had blinded eyes, even though we once maybe looked up in the sky and we didn't see his glory and his honor and his praise, we do now. Our eyes have been, the scales have fallen off our eyes. We have new sight and in everything that's out there. I mean, I'm interested in astronomy about like pastor and you look in and my son is as well. He looks, Nathan looks at a lovely picture of a, of a, of a galaxy or something like that. And I see the majesty and the praise of the Lord. He looks at it and says, oh, it's very nice. That's a collection of gases, Dad. But we're different. The Lord has changed us. Whenever we look at something like that, we see the glory and we see the honor and we see the praise of our God. We see his hand in creation. Uh, and learned Bible scholars in this first portion of the, the psalm here, Psalm 104, have attributed this to a picture of creation. And all through this, Psalm 104, it's a picture of creation. But we're going to focus in just on one small bit again. And we're going to look at this wine, bread, and oil. And we'll start at verse 14. And, he's, and he causes the grass to grow for the cattle and vegetation for the service of man that he might bring forth food for the earth and wine that makes glad the heart of man, and oil to make his face shine, and bread which strengthens the heart of man. The trees of the Lord are full of sap, the cedars of Lebanon, which he planted. Hallelujah. And if you want a tax for tonight, that's it. The trees of the Lord are full of sap. You're a tree of the Lord. You're blessed by the Lord tonight. You have everything that you will ever need tonight because you live in him. And he will come and he will bless you. And with these particular blessings, the first portion of this psalm is dedicated to mankind because verse 14 there, uh, vegetation in the service of man. Man there comes from the root Adom. Mankind, where we get the word Adam from. Uh, So the first portion of this psalm up to 14 is for mankind. The Lord says, I will provide. I will provide the sun in the sky, the moon at night. I will give heat to your crops. I will make them grow. I will put cattle in the field and I will feed you. But then he concentrates on something else. The word man down in verse 15 is different. It's enosh, a particular man, a husband, a servant. So this particular portion isn't for mankind. This blessing of the wine, the oil and the bread isn't just for all mankind. This is for the Lord's people, hallelujah. And if it's for the Lord's people, it's something that we should desire and it's something that we should want and it's something that we should be earnest after. The, the wine here obviously speaks of, of the Holy Spirit. And please turn with me to Luke chapter 5. I know we're moving about the, cha- the, the Bible for a bit, but we'll come back and we'll concentrate after Luke 5. We'll come back and we'll concentrate on Deuteronomy. Throughout the scriptures, the Holy Spirit is portrayed in many different ways, uh, as a dove, as a wind. And here in Psalm 104, I believe it's portrayed as wine. Um, or he's portrayed as wine, sorry. And here we have a a, a parable uh, starting in verse 36. The Lord was challenged. He was with his disciples and he was challenged. The disciples of John came and said, and the Pharisees came to him and said, your disciples don't fast the way we fast. They don't recognize the feast days the way we recognize the feast days. And more important than that, you sit with sinners and you sit with publicans. So you're not right. What they were saying to the Lord was, we don't like you because you're not traditional like us. 
And he came back with these two lovely parables, and we're going to concentrate on the second one, the parable of the new garment and the old one, and the parable of the new wine. Uh, verse 37 says, And no one puts new wine into old wine skins, or else the new wine will burst the wine skins and be spilled, and the wine skins, skins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wine skins, and both are preserved. And no one, having drunk old wine, immediately desires the new, for he says, the old is better. These, the old wine skin, the new wine skin, and the new wine are a great picture of us tonight. I may look like an old, worn out, bloated wine skin, and even Kathy might turn me away and say, I can't do anything with you. You're too far gone. But praise God, he was able to do something with me. Praise God, he found me in the gutter, and he found you in the gutter. He lifted us up from the deep merry clay. He set his spirit within us. He set a, a cleansing within us. He moved within us. He took, out the, he took away all the fetters and the chains that bound us to death and hell, and he gave us new life. Hallelujah. And we were once an old wineskin. We were once useless to the world, but now in his name and for his glory and for his honor and for his eternal praise, we are changed for all time and we are changed for all eternity. We are spoilt for the world. Hallelujah. And then he comes and he says, you know, I'll change the old wineskins into new wineskins. And that's what he did with us. Whenever uh, John, was, John the Baptist was baptizing, he says, I will baptize you in water. There is one that's coming and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Not only did he change us and cleanse us, and not only did he give us new eternal life, not only did he, did he move in our lives and make all things new, but he poured his Holy Spirit into us. He baptized us with the Holy Spirit. We as Pentecostals sometimes think we have dibs on the Holy Spirit. We as Pentecostals sometimes, because we come and we say, oh, we pray in the Spirit and we pray in truth, that we believe that the Holy Spirit isn't poured out and isn't baptized into anyone else or onto anyone else or with anyone else. But that's not true. We come tonight and everyone that's born again is baptized with the Holy Spirit. Everyone that comes, either they sit in a Presbyterian church, in a Pentecostal church, or wherever they are throughout this world, is baptized at new birth with the Holy Spirit. But there's a different baptizing, and there's a different infilling, and that's whenever we come to fill us with new wine. At the minute, we're new wineskins. We're new in Christ. We're ready and receptive. We are made in his honor and made for his glory, and we're ready for use. But he needs to fill us with his Holy Spirit. He needs to come and pour in that new wine. And back in Psalm 104, whenever it says wine, it's not just ordinary wine, because the word is yayin. The, the, the derivation is effervescent. It's bubbling, it's active, it's not finished its ferment yet. That's why if you put it into old wineskins, the old wineskins would bloat, it would, build, would, would blow out and would burst eventually. But he can pour this new wine into us. This new wine means that, that we can't be a church that sits back. It's, 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 it's one thing to come along and, and say that we are born again. We're new wineskins. We are baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's an entirely different thing to come along and say, Lord, come and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Pour into me the new wine. And that's, you know, that, that's, that's the picture here. We cannot sit as a church that sits in one place. We cannot be inactive. We must be an active church. 
He has fit us for service. He has fit us for service in an active, as an active church and as an active people. And he wants to pour in the Holy Spirit. He wants to fill us with the Holy Spirit to make us an active people. Uh, Peter, uh, whenever Peter came and he was filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, he was already baptized in the Holy Spirit. Whenever he was filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts 4, he spoke with boldness. He came in front of, uh, in front of the people in Jerusalem and spoke in tongues, but there was also a picture of boldness. This was the same individual who denied the, denied the Lord three times, fervently denied the Lord three times, swore at the very end even. And here he was standing in front of the entire city of Jerusalem preaching Christ boldly. Paul was the same in Acts 9. Acts, uh, Paul had been converted on the road to Damascus. Uh, he'd come back to Jerusalem and instead of sort of cowering, instead of hiding in the church filled with the Holy Spirit, he came and he preached in the synagogues, preached Christ crucified, Christ resurrected, Christ ascended, and Christ glorified. Hallelujah. Um, uh, Judges 9 says, the Holy Spirit, the infilling of this new wine, cheers God and man. I firmly believe, you know, that the, the world out there gets disappointed when we don't reflect Christ, when we don't shine for the Lord. Um, they, they have an expectation that we have certain morals and certain standards. They have an expectation that we have a certain position in the Lord. And if we don't show that expectation, they get disappointed in us. I share the office with three, three ladies at work. And they sometimes come along and they tease me about how, how the, the Grand Canyon was made. They tease me about creation. But if I didn't stand up and defend each time they come and tease me, if I didn't stand up and defend the word and defend the Lord each time, I'd believe they'd be bitterly disappointed. I'm going to say that anyway. <laughs> Maybe they wouldn't be that bitterly disappointed. But, uh, you know, we have an expectation. So how do we get this infilling? Um, and it's a commandment of the Lord. Uh, Paul said in Ephesians 5 and 18, be not drunk with wine, for that is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a great picture here. In order to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we have to immerse ourselves in the Lord. We have to look to higher things. We have to immerse ourselves in his word. There has to be a desire within our lives to be different, different from the world, to be different each day. I used to help out with, um, with the worship in, a, in our previous church. And if you'd have picked a nice chorus and a nice hymn and it went really well, you know what I mean, really well, and the spirit moved and, and there were people dancing up and down, the, well, maybe it didn't go that far. And, you know, you had a tendency the next week to go, right, what's, what courses are we going to sing? Ah, that one went well last week. I think we'll do that one. Well, that's not what the Lord wants. Yesterday's blessing isn't today's blessing. The Lord says yesterday's manna can't be eaten today. Each day we come with the Lord, we have to have a new desire, a new infilling. He wants to fill us. He has provided the filling. Uh, um, you know, the Lord, if we, if we restrict or, or if we sort of live on yesterday's blessing, we're almost saying, Lord, you can only bless so far. You can only bless this much. <laughs> But the Lord, we will never exhaust the Lord's blessing. I don't care how much you're blessed. I can come and I can say, the Lord saved me and he keeps me. He's blessed me with a lovely wife. He's blessed me with children. He's blessed me with a job. He's blessed me with a roof over my head. I and I don't care how much you, you can say the Lord has blessed you. You will never exhaust the Lord's blessing. 
there he was all he will have always much much more in store in store for you and that's the same with the infilling of the holy spirit he will come and he will infill and he'll take you to new levels and new places and he'll move in your life and he'll glorify his name in your life and you'll see new ways of worship and you'll see new ways to praise him and, he, and, and he'll fill you with effervescence he'll fill you with life and he'll fill you with power and he'll fill you with might and he'll fill you with boldness and you'll never exhaust it. And you'll never get to one day where he's saying, I've had enough. And you'll, uh, I, I, I can't imagine that the Lord can do anything more for you. The next day, if you ask him, if you ask him to come in and fill you again, he'll fill you even more to overflowing. Hallelujah. The Lord says, Heavenly Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask in Luke 13, 11, 13. All we have to do is ask, beloved. Here's this great blessing. Here's this great blessing that we have of the Lord, the new wine. And all we have to do is ask. The next bit in, in, in uh, Psalm 104 is an oil to make his face shine. This is a great picture of anointing. I want you to turn with me back into Deuteronomy again. I love Deuteronomy. My favorite verse is in Deuteronomy. We'll come to that in a minute. <laughs> Deuteronomy 20. This picture of oil to make face shine, the man's face shine, is, is, is a picture of, of the, the way people used to do things. They used to beautify themselves. It's mentioned in Homer. It's mentioned in all the Roman scripts. It's mentioned even way back in the time of, prophet, of the prophets. It was well known. You put oil on your face to make your face shine, and it made you look beautiful. I can go out and go up to the the beauty place up at the top of the town. I can get a full treatment. I can come out and I can have whatever I want. I might even go and buy a tie, a new suit and new shoes, and I can look fairly okay, Liz might think, but it all has to come off at the night. Whenever the Lord blesses you, whenever the Lord pours in anointing, whenever the Lord fills you with the Holy Spirit, it doesn't come off. It stays. We're a new creation. Every day is different. And here is this picture of anointing. Uh, and the word is Meshua. Uh, the, and where we get the word Messiah from, holy and anointed one. And this anointing obviously is for the prophets, the priests, the, the, the kings, and even foreign kings. As we heard last week, Elisha anointed a foreign king. Peter says that we are a royal priesthood. And we then deserve a royal anointing and a priestly anointing. The king's anointing, the kingly anointing was called the Ruah. And when the spirit of the Lord was endowed on the king, when he was anointed for service, then the hands were laid on him or the oil was poured on him. And this was the Ruah anointing. It, it meant the infilling of the spirit of the living God. And it was for support and it was for strength and it was for wisdom. If we are a royal priesthood, the Lord says, I will anoint you and I will anoint you for strength and I will anoint you and I will support you through everything that you do and I will give you wisdom to get through life. And then we have the priestly anointing. Uh, the high priest was referred to as the Kohen Haggadol uh, and his anointing was the Kadesh. His anointing was different. The high priest's anointing was for sanctification. Beloved, you are sanctified in the Lord. He has made you holy where no holiness ever existed. He has made you righteous where no righteousness ever existed. He has poured his Holy Spirit into you and he has poured this, this priestly anointing upon you. Uh, the Kadesh, um, the most, probably the most uh, 
sort of fervent example, or the best example would be Aaron being anointed. Aaron was anointed with the anointing oil. This oil had all the savors, all the spices, all the sweetness. It was poured over Aaron's head. In fact, the word that's used was in the scripture is doused. And Aaron stood before the priest and he was doused in the oil. And the oil flew, f- flowed through his head, through his beard, down onto his garments and right down onto his feet. Every portion of him was anointed. Beloved, every portion of you is anointed. Wherever, whatever you do, whatever you go, wherever you go, you're anointed for the Lord. You're, you're set aside. You're, you're made holy. You're set aside for worship. You're set aside for praise and you're set aside for service. Hallelujah. And the, the, other, the other priests weren't anointed with dicing. They were sprinkled. And they were the high priests in waiting. But pastor mentioned war. We have, we're in a spiritual war. There is another priestly anointing that sometimes is less well known. And it's called, and I had to write this down, the Kohen Meshua Melchama, the priest anointed for war. And we find the priest anointed for war in chapter 20 here. Let's read from it's Deuteronomy chapter 20. And we'll read from this verse one. And when you go into battle against your enemies and see horses and chariots and people more numerous than you, do not be afraid. Hallelujah. For the Lord your God is with you, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And so it shall be when you are on the verge of battle that the priest shall approach and speak to the people. And he shall say unto them, Hear, O Israel, today you're on the verge of battle with your enemies. Let not your heart be faint. Do not be afraid and do not tremble or be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God, who goes before you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. Hallelujah. This is the priestly anointing. And in this time of spiritual warfare, we need a priestly anointing. The priest's job in in the time of battle was to go out. The high priest stayed back. He was protected in in a sense. And this anointed priest, not necessarily from the the line or the the hereditary of, of of the priest, but someone who was fit for service, someone who had proven themselves. And this anointing came at a particular season in a particular time of need. And the priest went out and just before battle commenced, he took out the chauffeur and he blew the chauffeur. And the sound of the, of the chauffeur raised, was raised right across the army and it encouraged the people. And then he reminded the people of who their God was. He reminded their people that they were blood washed and blood bought in this sense, in our sense, because that's what we need. We need to be reminded that we are a people of the Lord. We need to be reminded we are a peculiar people. We need to be reminded that the battle is the Lord's. It's not ours. We need to be reminded that when we go through it this week, when we go through trials, that when we go through temptations, that when the enemy draws nigh, the battle is the Lord's. And this high priest, this this, this, uh, priest, anointed for war blew the chauffeur and the sound went up across the battlefield and everyone knew that the priest was there and the presence of the Lord was there and then he reminded them do not be afraid whenever we go through some times you know you go through some things and you think Lord where are you uh, I can remember whenever Leah was diagnosed with with diabetes for the first time I went into the bathroom and I started crying and I said Lord where are you in this And then he came to me and he says, I'm in the midst of it. He came to me and he says, I've got victory over it. Because we all go, we can't avoid situations in life. You don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what the next week holds. 
but we know, sovereign God, that we are in his hands. Hallelujah. We know that he is in control. We know that the battle is his. We know that it's ours. As pastor said this morning, we need to remind ourselves of past battles. He has won past battles for us. Hallelujah. This anointing, as I say, comes in, in, in time of season, and I believe this is a time when we need this priestly anointing. We need this anointing for war. The enemy is at the gates. We have failed to keep watchmen on the walls, and the enemy is right against the gates of the citadel, but he will not prevail. Hallelujah. Our God reigns. We need to raise a, a, a shout of praise tonight in this land. We need to raise a shout of praise in this land that our God is sovereign, King of kings, Lord of lords. We belong to him. We don't belong to anyone else. We don't, we don't serve anyone else. We serve the living God. Let's pray that we have this, this anointing, this priestly anointing in time of battle. Let's pray that we have the kingly anointing and of course the anointing for sanctification as well. The final... Um, the final sort of blessing is the blessing of the bread, bread to strengthen man's heart in the Psalm 104. Old Spurgeon said, men have more courage for the fight when they are fed well. Uh, and that might've came from Spurgeon or he might've got it from some old general, but it's true. And praise God tonight in this church, we have been fed well over all these years. We can look back on the many years when pastors served faithfully. And we bless you, pastor, for your service. We bless all those who share this pulpit as well. You have served the Lord faithfully and you have fed his people well. And the Lord bless you richly for it. But we come and we need this blessing. And the blessing, of course, is the word of the living God. Let's turn back to Deuteronomy 6. And this is my favorite scripture in the whole Bible. The enemy will, require, will want to dull the word in our lives. He wants to dull the word in our schools. He wants to dull the word in our communities. He wants to dull his word in our colleges. He wants to take the word of the living God out of our government but he will not prevail. We need to let him know that he won't prevail. But sometimes we give him an easy task. Sometimes we're inclined to move away from what it says in the word. I got saddened a couple of weeks ago. There was a, a well-known preacher in America and I had a great lot of respect for him. I listened to a lot of his sermons on the internet and he came out and he said that same-sex marriage was acceptable under the word of God. And it saddened me greatly that the church would taint the word in that way, that somebody who once was fervent for the Lord would degrade the word in that way. And it's happening. We need to be careful, beloved. We need to be careful that we believe what is written. We believe the book and we, we hold to the book. Verse four of Deuteronomy 6 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Elhad. My favorite scripture. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Hallelujah. So we need to know it. 
We need to make sure that we know the word of God when we're challenged. When, when those ladies that I share the office with come and they, they taunt me about creation and they taunt me about, about how the, the Grand Canyon, because one of them's going to the Grand Canyon, how the Grand Canyon was formed, we need to know the word of God and we need to stick to the word of God. We need to have it within our hearts. And sadly, there's, there's, a, there's a lack of knowledge and a lack of understanding. We see it, we see it in glow. Whenever their, their children come along from Glow, and some of them are here tonight, and they come from believers' families, there's a huge difference in those that come from, un, from unbelief, from families of unbelief. They don't know all the old uh, um, stories. They don't know the story of, of Joseph. They don't know the story of Moses in Exodus. And that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a wonderful example of how you're teaching your children whenever they come in. And I'm sure Jillian's the same in the Sunday school. They come in and they already know the stories. But outside there, there was once a great culture to go to Sunday school. There was once a great culture that even though you weren't really that churchy in, in, in that sense, you still sent your children to Sunday school. That's not there anymore. And it's important that we make sure our children know the word of God and we know the word of God as well. Because there are situations that come when we won't be able to rely on what we've heard on the internet. We won't be able to rely on what we feel in our hearts. We need to know the truth. And the truth shall make us free. Hallelujah. Uh, where do we get to? And these words which I command you today, you shall, shall be in your hearts. So we need to know it. And you shall teach them diligently to your children and talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. The word of God shouldn't just be something that we take out on a Sunday afternoon. It shouldn't be Sunday lunch. It should be our daily bread because it strengthens our hearts. As Spurgeon said, it makes us, it gives us courage for the fight. And beloved, there is a fight ahead. Um, whenever my grandfather grew up, uh, um, when I was actually talking about him, he used to preach in, uh, in the middle of Lisburn. Every, every Saturday night, he was always there, open air preaching. Um, with uh, another chap called John, John Edgar. And there were people that came and stood and listened. If we went out and we stood out there and we preached, people walked past us. There, there's no concern. There's no, there's no desire in men's hearts for the word. There's no, there's no hunger for the word anymore. It's almost as if it's been wiped out. We need to make sure that this land knows that the word of God is, is true. Um, and you shall bind them as a sign upon your hand and between the frontlets of your eyes. And you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. It's not enough that we know them just in our family. It's not enough that we maintain the word just in our family. We need to make sure that whenever we step over the door of our house and we go into work and tomorrow morning, that this is our standard. Whenever everybody else is cheating on their mileage and everybody else is fiddling a couple of minutes on their flexi to get a couple of minutes at lunchtime, this is our standard. We need to live it and we need to live it and we need to breathe it. Um, the enemy will try and uh, take away and dull this word. And uh, as I said, sometimes we, we, sometimes we help them out, sadly. Um, I was watching a program uh, on the plagues and the, there's, you know, the example of the, the Nile turning to blood. And this scientist came along and he says, I can prove that that's true. Uh, and I thought, oh, that sounds good. Uh, I know what happened. It was an algal bloom. And there was this algal bloom that sort of appeared in the Nile. And everybody came and looked at it and thought, uh, oh, that must, that's like blood. That's not what the word of God says. 
Beloved, the word of God, the Lord himself knows what an algal bloom is. <coughs> he created algae. He knows what algae is. He didn't say that. He didn't say, I, cre- I, I, I intended that there would be an algal bloom in the Nile and everybody would look at blood. The word of God says the Nile turned to blood. We need to believe what the Word of God says. We can't pick and we can't choose. We can't take bits of this Word and say, well, I'm happy with that. Uh, we can't come along and, and say, well, creation, okay. It says it was, it says the Lord created the world and all that there is in six days. But maybe, maybe that was, you know, it was, how long was a day? The Word of God says it was six days, and we need to believe it was six days. We need, we need to have a fervency. Sometimes, you know, to be fervent or, or to be fundamental about things seems to be some sort of bad word these days. If you're fundamental, then you're some sort of terrorist. But we believe, believers, beloved, we need to be fundamental about the word of God. We need to take this word and live by it. It needs to be our standard. It needs to be our moral guide. It needs to be everything we live by. It's not something we take out for Sunday lunch. It's our daily bread. And it needs to be our daily bread. And if it's not our daily bread, then we're just playing at being a church. We're just playing at being a people of the Lord. The final... Uh, verse in Psalm 104 says, the trees of the Lord are full of sap. We should be satisfied. A great picture of being satisfied. Are you satisfied tonight in the Lord? Has he done everything that you could ever imagine that he would do in your life? Has he moved in your life and, and, and cleansed you and made all things new? Has he given you new fervency? Has he filled you with his Holy Spirit? Has he anointed you with the oil of anointing? And has he set his word within your heart to be alive? Because that's what the word says. If you love me with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your mind, I will give you the wine, the new wine. I will give you the oil of anointing and I will give you the bread to sustain you. And you will be satisfied. And if you don't have it tonight, All you have to do is ask. Say, Lord Jesus, change me. Lord Jesus, come. I don't want to be half-hearted. I don't want to be wishy-washy. I don't want to be a Sunday Christian anymore. I want to be fervent for you. I want to live every minute of my life for you until you come or until you call. And the last picture of that verse is, is a lovely picture of predestination. It says, the trees of the Lord are full of sap, the cedars of Lebanon, which he planted. Whenever the lumberjacks went to gather these cedars, uh, these trees for service in the Lord's temple, for, for the construction of the temple, they found these trees that were majestic. And they said, these trees could not have been planted by anyone else but the Lord. They had this great picture of these trees being nurtured as seedlings. The Lord shining upon them, raining upon them, giving them nurture in the ground, and they rose to be these great majestic cedars of Lebanon. That's a great picture of you and me. Long before he set the stars in the heavens, he knew us. Hallelujah. Long before we were born, he knew all about us, and he chose us. Blessed be his name. When he hung on that old Roman gibbet, he knew us. When the blood fell to purchase victory for us, he knew all about us. And even in those wasted years, when we, from when we were born to the time when we came and we put our trust in him, he watched over us and he protected us. I think of all the things that he brought me through long before even I had any concern of him. 
he watched over me. Hallelujah. He was gracious to me and he moved in my life and protected me and he did the same for you. And then he came and he failed you for service. And you are a cedar of Lebanon in his temple, in his house tonight for his honor, for his praise and for his sovereign glory. And the people of the Lord said, Amen. And they shouted. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can also watch the Sermon of the Month video at youtube.com forward slash Moira Pentecostal or download the sermon video through our iTunes video podcast. For more information, visit us at www.mpc.org.uk. Thank you.